It's the Skinny Podcast, only on Local12.com. Now, here's Richard Skinner. And welcome in to the Skinny Podcast. I'm Richard Skinner, Local12.com digital sports columnist and editor, along with Jed Demusey, Local12 anchor, reporter, producer. As we talk uh, Bengals and Texans, we'll look back at the week one debacle against the uh, Baltimore Ravens, but certainly look ahead to the, uh, to the Houston Texans. Um, and Jed, I'll ask you one quick question here, and I'll let you take over. Just, just your opinion of what, what we saw on Sunday. Was it an anomaly, or was it something that, that Bengals fans should really fear might be more than norm this season? Well, we'll know Friday morning if it was an anomaly or, or if it wasn't. I think we there needs to be more of a body of work to, to determine whether or not it was a blip on the radar or if that's actually the, the direction the team is going. I don't think they could possibly play as poorly as they did against Baltimore in another game this season, but I, don't, I didn't think that they were going to play that poorly to start the season against Baltimore. So that, that to me, is um, – is is a is a great question and and with Houston coming in on Thursday it'll be it'll be gut check time for a lot of people on this team especially when you look at the offensive line we we talked about it last week skinny that this offensive line looked good in the preseason but that they're going to be measured on what they do in the regular season and there's a lot of blame to go around but there's a lot of blame for the offensive line yeah, um, and I don't know if there's really answers that we got from, from the coaching staff this week. And I get it. They're not rolling their guys under the bus. But um, if you go by a, a fairly uh, objective grading system, pro football focus, uh, none of those guys got above a 45 when 100 is the max. So basically if you're going by the old grade school grading scale of 90 to 100 is an A, 80 to 90 is a B, let's face it, what all those guys got were, were Fs across the board. And you know, I, th- I think sometimes you can you can look at one guy and say, well, that was his fault. Um, but really, when all five of them get graded that poorly, it really was a systematic failure. And we didn't think that that was a possibility. We didn't think that Clint Bowling was going to have any uh, hard time this year. We knew that there was maybe trouble with the guard. I think a lot of people thought Russell Bodine was a guy that they could trust, and he may have he may have been the worst of the five. I- I'm not sure I've ever seen in the league. A player get pushed back like he did a couple of times on, on Sunday. I mean, there was one, literally, he snapped the ball. And I'm not sure Andy Dalton got in a back pedal before he got shoved back, almost literally, into Dalton's lap. And we thought, <laughs> we were looking at the two tackles and, and who was going to replace Kevin Zeitler at guard. And, and you know, this is, a, this is a systematic problem across the offensive line. I don't, I don't know, to borrow a phrase from Tom Herman, I don't know if there's some magic pixie dust that you can – put on this offensive unit obviously Trey Hopkins is now potentially on on IR you know this this is a unit that that I don't I don't know what you're going to do yeah the only thing I can think of is look I don't know if we saw enough of the running game to know whether it was effective or ineffective I know I broke down some numbers um in my fifth quarter analysis where you take out the longest run from Gio Bernard Jeremy Hill and Joe Mixon um, they tally 32 yards on 18 on 18 other carries. That's obviously not sufficient. Um, you know, do you go to the I formation and have a fullback in front of them and run the ball more to get yourself in better down and distances? Do you hinge a tight end to at least Cedric Obwehi at the line of scrimmage and say we're keeping you in the block on passing situations to help you out? Um, you know, more teams are showing that double A gap stuff. The running back has to has to help there. He can't help on the outside. You you can't leave Cedric Obwehi on an island at least not against 
Terrell Suggs, and certainly this week against whoever lines up against him, whether it's Clowney or, or Watt or whomever, you just can't do that. You can't trust him to do that. So the, the only thing I can think of is you have to really find a way to give him, especially him, as much help as possible. Five turnovers in the game, four interceptions, and in, in Andy Dalton lost a fumble. A couple of those interceptions were tipped, and maybe those necessarily are not on Andy because because of that. But this is a guy who a lot of people, for whatever reason, right or wrong, have been asking, is this the quarterback that the Bengals that can take the Bengals to the promised land? And he did not look the part. And there were offensive line struggles. We talked on Sunday night that there were some separation issues between the wide receivers and, and the defensive backs. But going into Thursday night, how good of a game does he have to have, especially because he knows he's going to have to get rid of the ball pretty quick with this offensive line. Yeah, and there's a couple things there. And, and honestly, I'm not so sure it's a good thing that Thursday's game is a home game, even though you know you save the travel of the short turnaround week, because if he suffers, let's just say, an early turnover, the crowd's going to turn on him, and it's just going to magnify. And it leads into something I wrote um, on Local12.com on, on Tuesday, uh, Monday into Tuesday, where, look, I'm not here to tell you it's time to pull a plug on Andy Dalton as the starter, but maybe in that game – after he suffered the fumble, um, just get him out for a couple series. I talked to an NFL former NFL quarterback today, and I said, if that happened to you and they pulled you, would you be mad, embarrassed? And he said, no, honestly, I would have honestly wanted to probably get pulled. It just it wasn't my day. Things are just not going, going my way. Um, I know in theory you go, well, you invite the quarterback controversy if that guy comes in and does well, but I think you diffuse that in whatever post-game press conference setting and say, listen, A.J. McCarron, let's just say he came in and rallied the Bengals to victory on Sunday. Look, A.J. did a great job today in relief, and he's still the starting quarterback. He'll be my starting quarterback moving forward, if you believe he's still your best guy. Um, and, and I cited a fact. In 1981, the Bengals did it with Ken Anderson. They benched him in the first quarter of the opener in, in lieu of Turk Schoner. He threw two interceptions. One was a pick six. They're down 21-0 in the season opener. The Bengals had almost given up on him. They had drafted Jack Thompson in 1979. So Thompson was hurt, couldn't play that day. They benched the guy. And the very next week, even though Turk Schonert rallied the Bengals, Forrest Gregg put Ken Anderson back into the starting quarterback against the Jets. He goes on to be named NFL MVP for the year, leads him to a Super Bowl. So you can do that. Maybe we're in a different age and a different era. I get that. I'm talking 36 years ago versus the Twitterverse instant uh, reaction of today. But why can't you pull a starter and go back to him the next week? I don't think today that you can put the toothpaste back in the tube. And, and regardless of, of how that worked can, out. Can you put the beer back in the bottle? I don't think you can unring the bell. Whatever you want to say, I don't think that, that, that benching Andy Dalton. And it's not, and that's not fair to A.J. McCarron. If he comes in and, and leads the team, hypothetically, if he would have come in and led the team to victory, I don't understand why he wouldn't deserve to start the next game. It's, it's, you can't say to a guy, okay, we're going to put you in because this other guy is struggling, and then he plays well, and then say, okay, well, you're you're going back on the bench the next game. Regardless of, the Bengals are going to do what they want. I don't think necessarily that they're saying to themselves, oh, what are the fans going to think? But I, I do think that they owe it to A.J. McCarron that if he's going to come in and, and play well, that he deserves another crack at it. I don't think you can just go back and forth and and and, and go that way with it. That being said, I don't know that A.J. McCarron would have made any difference on Sunday. I don't think he would have. Yeah, and he may not have. I just, the, the only point yeah. for me is when a guy is going as sideways as Andy is, 
the last thing he needed was one more interception on top of it, which is what he got. The Boo Birds came out in full force. I get that as if you were a fan. Um, I just think at that stage you just go, okay, you know what, buddy? Little buddy, little redheaded friend, it's just not your day. And let's let AJ – maybe it's even for a series or two just to say – Maybe you can see some stuff over here. I, 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 I just don't know why in this league the, the quarterback position is so sacrosanct that if a guy's struggling, you can't pull him, just like you would a starting pitcher who's struggling. You would. In, in, in hockey, you see it all the time with goalies, goalie. pull, goalies getting pulled. And, and I do think that it is, it is the case where I, – I, this is a, a huge hypothetical, but there, they don't, there are only 16 games. And so because of that, you talk about a starting pitcher. Well, he's going to get the ball in the next five days. Well, in, in the course of an NFL season, you, you don't have that type of, of length in the hockey season. You can pull a guy, okay, it's not your night. But I think that the shortness of the season and the immediacy of, of your, your court, if the Bengals lose, if they go 0-3 to start the year, they're done. Done. They're done. So... You don't have the flexibility of saying, hey, it's not your day. If you think that Andy Dalton is going to be your starter, you, you almost have to keep him in because you start you – start, his confidence is going to be shaken because of the way he played. You start pulling him, and now you're, now you're messing with his mind saying, well, I didn't have a good game, but now my team doesn't trust me. Now my head coach doesn't trust me. Those type of thoughts are going to get into his head a little bit, and I think – in the immediacy of the NFL season, you can't be dealing with those types of, of questions in a quarterback's head, especially your starter going forward. It just it's not going to work that way. Let's talk about uh, maybe a positive. I, I thought defensively there there were. I know you and I argued a little bit on the Sports Authority on Sunday about it. They did give up the long drive, um, all of it on the ground because Joe Flacco didn't even complete a second half pass. But um, they they did. Um, I thought it was a winning performance by the defense. I, you know, you give up two field goals on two drives. The the play, the pass play that Flacco made was a good read on his part and, and good execution on their part. And then obviously the the interception gave him the ball at the two yard line. I think if you got defensive performances like that on a weekly basis this year, you should be able to win football games. Yeah, and I, I and some I, of that's Baltimore related too. They're not right. very good offensively. No, and I, but I, I do think that you and I did we, we did talk about that drive in the third quarter that. Where the Andy Dalton fumbled and the ball was inside the ten or fifteen yard line, and it just seemed like the drive did not end. And when you were watching it live, you were you just could not believe that they had kept finding a way. I think it was a seventeen play drive. It took away nine minutes. Now, the problem is, is that you can say, "Oh, the defense couldn't get off the field." Well, the defense getting off the field really wasn't an issue because the offense, when they were on the field, didn't do anything. So. To, to pin it on the defense and that that drive in particular may have been may have been a little unfair on my part, but it was just it was just the never ending drive, and that really is what kind of sucked the life out of that game. That's at that point I knew that they were not winning the game because in the second half you we've seen it before we've seen the Bengals put up bad first halves and come back and win games. Well, uh, if you remember the Seattle game from from two years yes. ago, I mean they were de- they were dead. I mean they were dead in the water. Found a way to rally to win. And I did think after after Nick Vigil intercepted the pass to start the second half to put them in good field position, they drive it down into a scoring territory. I really thought they punch it in right there. Baltimore's offense had it, you know is is very pedestrian at best. I thought okay, you get you get this score, you get a three and out because you're capable of it. You are right back in the football game, and you're right. Once they didn't get that score. And, and really, once Baltimore then sucked the life out of the third quarter, it was over. It was. And 
There, there were a few years ago. I don't know if it was. I, I don't think it was last year, but it was maybe two years ago, three years ago, where the Bengals, especially at home, maybe in the year they went eight and zero at home, they would get in positions against team. I remember the Green Bay game where Terrence Newman made a great play in the second half, picked up a, a kick or something, ran in for a touchdown. The, the Seattle game that you talk about, there was a stretch of games where they would go down and, and you would just look and say, oh, they'll figure it out. They'll figure it out. And they did. They did figure it out. Past couple years, that, that has not been the case. They have not figured it out. They they, they go down and, and, and they've stayed down, and, and it, that's been sort of the deal with, with this team the past few seasons. There's there's a chance this season just started. It's it's hard to, it's hard to say that, that this is going to be the way it's going to go, but... A short week against the Texans coming in. This is this is going to be put up shut up time for really both teams, Texans and the Bengals. Um, Bengals, from a health perspective, uh, you mentioned Trey Hopkins, who, who may be headed for IR. Obviously, the knee injury is serious. Michael Johnson won't play because of a concussion. Uh, Sean Williams, C.J. Uzama, and John Ross all did return to practice this week, but I would think that probably on the short week, the fact that the two practices were just walkthroughs and not pads, I would doubt they would play. But I guess the good news is. If, if they're back this week, I can almost assure you you'll get a chance to see John Ross. I know I'm jumping ahead here a little bit. John Ross and, and Sean Williams um, the week after. The the really good news as it relates to the injury front or the concussion front, I guess there's, it's not good news, but if you're a Bengals fan, there It's and, not your guys. It's their guys. Oh, my gosh. The, the Texans are not really going to have a starting tight end. I think all three of their, their tight ends are in concussion protocol, and because of the short week, one of the things you have to do in con- to pass or get out of concussion protocol is you have to be a full participant at practice or you cannot play. And because it's a short week, there's only one practice. So it's it's hard for guys, even if they are feeling better, to, to get out of concussion protocol in, in that short week. And it, the offensive line struggles, the quarterback struggles, these are all things that, that the Texans are dealing with as well. They got embarrassed at home by a division opponent as well in, in week one. So these are, these are two teams sort of in, in similar spots, teams that, that, have, that have gotten used to a little bit of success, that have made the postseason in the past few years, that are kind of up against it. Now, the Texans are dealing with a quarterback situation where you have a rookie in Tom Savage, Deshaun Watson and Tom Savage. So it's a little different in that respect that they didn't really know what Watson was going to bring, but he will more than likely be the starter, I would think, Thursday night. Yeah, he um, he, he was actually a limited participant on Monday. He's dealing with an ankle issue. Savage is dealing with a finger issue as it was a full participant. I think it's an interesting, interesting question of where they go. Um, Savage did start against Jacksonville, got benched. He got sacked six times. Watson got sacked four times. Watson did come in the very first drive and, and lead them to a touchdown, but really, other than that, his numbers were, were pretty pedestrian. It's a it's a tough place to be when you're starting a rookie quarterback in in a short week in week number two. That's not an ideal circumstance. When your offensive line just gave up ten sacks the week before, in theory, that's an ideal circumstance for the Bengals to get healthy very quickly. Yeah, it is. It is an ideal situation. I I, I question what the offensive line for the Bengals will look like against the Texans defensive line. We talked about them last week. You you don't even need to really talk about them at all considering that you say their names and you understand sort of how good they are but but J.J. Watt does not look I don't know how much of that game you were able to see I watched a bit of a a replay of an abbreviated replay he does not look as dynamic as he is as he as as people remember him being 
Jadavian Clowney, I think, is still sort of emerging as as a as a player. And he he's a little nicked up too. He yeah. he did not participate in their practice on Monday due to I want to say a foot maybe whatever it was. He did not participate. Either. I'm sure he'll be ready to go for the game, but he's a, he's a little nicked up on top of it. They, they, their injury report on Monday was insane to look at. And Cushing's hurt, too. And Cushing's it? hurt, too, correct. So, yeah, they, they had nine nine guys didn't practice. Cushing was one, Clowney, Watt, and the concussion the concussion crew. Um, they had a lot of guys that were out on Monday. Yeah, they also have, uh, from around here, Mount Healthy's Joel Heath, who has, has been getting some time on, on the defensive line as well. We can talk maybe a little bit more about the matchup going forward here. There were some procedural things that happened we are taping this on tuesday i think maybe an hour or 90 minutes ago the kicking competition for the Bengals sort of figured itself out as jake elliott no longer a member the eagles lost their kicker caleb sturgis in, in week number one and now jake elliott is the kicker for your philadelphia eagles so really no more controversy yeah, and I guess the scary part there is we've not seen Randy Bullock in this regular season other than one kickoff that he put in the end zone for a touchback. Um, he did win the kicking competition, and this was, I guess, the fear of um, Bullock won it fair and square, but when you put Elliott either, if you had released him or put him on the practice squad, if somebody wanted him on their regular roster, they could swoop in and get him, and that's obviously what, what Philadelphia did. So if, if Randy Bullock struggles, I guess the thing is he's not looking over his shoulder in the locker room. It'll have to be somewhere else probably the Bengals get, get their kicker from. Could be another year of, of what happened last year, and it, it could – I mean, who knows? Who, who knows how long of a leash Randy Bullock is going to have. The, the kick against the Texans last year that, that would have won them the game on Christmas Eve, he did not make. This preseason, he looked he looked good, and then and then struggled against the Colts. But this is uh, this is sort of Randy Bullock's job. No looking over his shoulder. Let me ask you this about the Bengals in Week One and around the league. Do you think that this fan base pressed the panic button quicker than other teams in the league probably should have? The Colts, the Niners. Well, okay, that's a, that's a that is a good question. I, I don't think there's a panic button for the Niners to push fans to push right now because they're so bad. I think if you're a realistic Colts fan, you realize without Andrew Luck, you don't have a chance. Now that, that doesn't mean you're well. I mean, they did return what two interceptions for touchdowns, but their defense also got got singed. I think this fan base. How about the Giants? Okay, but, but they weren't at home, so we don't know what kind of panic button there was. I, you can almost feel in Paul Brown Stadium, and I'm not blaming fans for that. I'm really not. You can feel. Almost the tension of, of, of their angst towards Andy Dalton and last year towards Mike Nugent. You could feel it. I, I, I know that sounds it's, – it's not real. It really isn't real, but you could feel it. And I'm sure those guys feel it too. Um, I'm not here to tell you as a fan you have to be a homer. I mean, again, you're, you've supported as a fan, you've supported a franchise that's gone a long time without winning a playoff game. And I think there is a level of, of hope and expectation because I, I think, look, you went through the run of five straight – Last year was a step backwards, but there were some mitigating factors. And, and, again, they lost a chunk of those games on very close fashion that you could have flipped them around the other way and you could have easily just easily been 9-6-1 and one as you were 6-6, right. 9-1. Six, six, and one. So I think there was an expectation level this year of, okay, the, the offensive line, yeah, we have questions, but, but, you know, it looked okay in the preseason. You got all these new weapons. All these guys we're hearing about on defense. And then to come out and lay that egg, I, 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 I get why there's a panic button being pushed. I do too. I think I think maybe the, the 
the Giants is is sort of the one team that's that's kind of comparable because you look at the success they've had. Now they've won Super Bowls. The Bengals obviously have not done that, but the quarterback has been in place for a while. The offensive line was bad last year and did not get any better for them. So you have these teams around the league, and I guess my only point is is as bad as Bengals fans think that it is, there are other teams in the league that had aspirations this year that in week one did not look very good at all. The The challenge will be for the Bengals to somehow make week one a, a distant memory when they start, when they play against the Texans, but I think there are problems all over the league on offensive line, and I think there are a lot of teams who have a lot of good pieces in place that are being undone by one unit or another, and I think... I don't think the Bengals are unique in the sense that they've got a fan base that has that tension. Yeah, I, I think part of the offensive line issues, and this is probably a bigger discussion for a bigger day, um, I do think you're seeing a lot of offensive linemen come in this league that are just unprepared to play at the NFL level. You're in so many of these spread offenses anymore that you just aren't technique savvy and technique sound enough to, to get it done. I mean, we saw a lot of bad offensive line play across the league, and I think – when you look and you, and you see some of the scoring the way it is in this league and how hard it is for a lot of teams to score, I think a lot of it does start start up front with the offensive line. So it's not unique to the Bengals. But it, but obviously, you know, the Bengals spent a couple draft picks on guys they thought could get it done. And quite frankly, neither one of them have gotten it done at this point. And I, it's almost as if your athleticism as an offensive lineman cannot be used in the same way that it can as a defensive lineman. And you are just, as, as the athleticism across the league has, has sort of gone up in terms of what guys can do defensively, I mean, we're talking about guys who are 285 that can run a 4-4-40 on, the, on defensive lines. It's not every single player, but there are more guys now that look like absolute man-child than ever before on defensive lines. And if there's no way on the offensive side to, to keep that athleticism in check, you're going to have what you see across the league problems on the offensive line. Seattle's offensive line is, is still terrible. This is a team who for years has had offensive line issues that they have not addressed. Ever since really Walter Jones left the uh, the Hall of Fame ta- you know tackle they've they've had some problems on the offensive line so I don't know if it makes Bengals fans feel any better about what happened on Sunday but what I will say is there are more teams that have offensive line problems in the NFL than ever before which is what you were saying and speaking of that uh, I think you can put it behind you you beat the Texans and and granted you probably thought you'd start the season two and zero if you did that. But, but you can at least start to erase that, that memory. The question, I guess, for you then is, and I'll weigh in with this myself, do they beat the Texans and why or why not? Well, I mean, we, we said, what, 28-10 or something like that. They were going to come in and just knock the Ravens upside the head and, and walk out with an easy victory. So I, I hesitate, I guess, I guess, to say that. I think this team makes adjustments, and I think, I guess, just primarily, we'll have to see what team the Texans put on the field because – they're going to sign a pra- they they're going to have to bring somebody off the practice squad to play tight end. You know, they're already out Will Fuller. They have DeAndre Hopkins who's a fantastic player, but Braxton Miller is going to get probably a a a, a bigger role in this offense because guys are hurt. I, I just you you've got a you've got a rookie quarterback who's hurt and the other guy is Tom Savage. 
this offensive line isn't great. I think the Bengals are a better team right now because I don't think the Texans are going to put their best team on the field on Thursday. So that being said, I'm going to say I'm going to say 17-10 Bengals get the win. Yeah, I was going to say something along the lines of 16-10. So I think we're almost on the same page. I just don't. This is not an offense that's capable. Of, of scoring a lot of points yet, but I do think the defense, especially against a rookie quarterback with a line that had the issues, I think the Bengals get the win. So we'll be back uh, next week to recap the Texans game and look ahead to the Green Bay Packers. Will be the Bengals looking to go to 2-1 and one or trying to avoid 0-3. Thanks for listening to today's Skinny Podcast here on Local12.com. <laughs>